a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Let Me Speak to the Governor. And thank you for joining us. I'm Maria Chaleos, along with Governor Gary Herbert. And let's take it to the phone lines now. We have Al, who is in Provo. And good afternoon, Al. How can we help you this afternoon? Well, good afternoon, Maria, and good afternoon, Governor Herbert. Anyhow, basically, I was hearing in the news, Governor, about your plans for Utah's business promise. And I'd just like to know your plans about one key component of of your plan, and that would be uh, water, specifically sustainable drinking water, which is a key component of growth. Uh, how do you plan to address that issue so Utah can grow both business-wise and population-wise? Well, thank you, Al, for the question. Uh, we certainly are concerned about our water supply for the next 50 years. Frankly, water is the only limiting factor to the growth of Utah. And because of our success economically and having what I would consider the best quality of life in all of America today, built on a foundation of economic opportunity, um, we are now number one when it comes to growth in the nation. So the pressures of our roads, our infrastructure, our classrooms, education, you know, all of the above uh, really is, uh, uh, I think, being spotlighted and water is a big concern. Hence, we have and have had a continuation of what we call slow the flow, save H. Let me say it again: slow the flow, save H2O, and our conservation efforts for water. We've reduced, in fact, the goal down to reduce our consumption by 25 percent by 2025. The good news is we're on track to do that. Now that's a challenge because we have so many people moving in, but conservation's got to be part of our culture. Uh, we cannot waste water. We have conversion that's coming from our agriculture interests as we have farms uh, being developed, as we have population demands and people need housing and communities grow and expand, which is kind of the normal order of things. But uh, we've done a, a extensive work with our water buffaloes, our different areas of the state that run our water conservation districts to make sure that we are conserving what we already have and are being put in a position to develop more resources where, where we are able. And so I'm very confident that uh, for our next 50 years, we're putting in place policies which will ensure that we have uh, adequate water supply to accommodate the dramatic growth that's taking place in Utah. And that is part of our business promise. We've made a promise to the business community and uh, the, the community at large that we will keep our taxes low, regulation reform, empowerment of the private sector, so that communities can grow and be empowered economically, which is the foundation for a great quality of life. We want to make sure there's enough water to accommodate the growth that's going to surely happen here in Utah. Okay, very good. Thank you, Governor. Thank you, Al. And thank you, Al, for your call. Let's check in with Brent now in Salt Lake City. Hi, Brent. What is your question for the Governor? Hi, Governor. It's nice to speak with you this afternoon. Thank you, Brent. 
Uh, yeah, I had a question now that I understand that uh, if you allow, you've allowed uh, the process of medical marijuana to uh, pers- uh, move on to testing. Uh, in the future, how or what would be the next process to allowing this uh, to possibly become law with all the uh, known benefits that it has? Well, thank you, Brent. Again, we are, I think, trending in the right direction, and we ought to let science dictate to us what we will do going forward. The process is important, and I think we're having an opportunity to work with Congress. We want them to take this off the Schedule One drug list so that we can, in fact, do the appropriate and necessary research so that science can tell us. And I expect that if we follow that process, we'll find what are the benefits medically for uh, marijuana use? And we'll find out as a controlled substance how it can be dispensed, how it can be prescribed, and what the appropriate dosage would be for those who need to have and have opportunity to have help, whether it's from pain or any other benefit that comes from medical marijuana. Uh, we're being careful. We're actually following the admonition of the governor from Colorado, who was opposed, by the way, to recreational marijuana, but does acknowledge that there may be some benefits uh, of medicinal use of marijuana and has said to me and other governors, be careful, be methodical, and let's see what the science will dictate to us as we go forward. So we're on the right road, and and that science will tell us what we can do. We've already embraced cannabinoid oil and the ability for those who have seizures, convulsions, to use that as kind of an experimental opportunity. And uh, that's being done now. I don't know that's being as widespread, but uh, but it is being done already here in the state of Utah. So, again, I feel uh, optimistic that we'll get the science, and that science will dictate to us what we should be doing to administer medical marijuana. All right. Thank you so much, Governor. You've been very helpful. And uh, I agree with you with uh, not having it uh, being recreational. Well, thank you, Brent. Good luck to you. Thank you. All right, Brent, thank you. Uh, uh, Senator Orrin Hatch today, Governor, is down in the Bears Ears area talking to residents who are impacted by the monument. Uh, Where do we stand on the National Monument and talks with uh, the Trump administration? Well, as everybody knows, I think there is agreement by all the stakeholders that uh, there's some antiquity needs and artifacts that ought to be preserved and protected in the Bears Ears region. And the Native Americans have indicated that sacred lands, and so they would like us to respect that aspect of those lands, and I agree. I think everybody agrees. The only question is how is it going to be best protected and preserved? Uh, Many uh, in that location and many Native Americans believe that a monument does not do what they want to do because it does not give the Native American the management control over their sacred lands that they would so desire. So I think there is an ongoing discussion of saying, what can we do? What is the common ground? Where can we come together on this issue? I believe legislatively would be the best way. The past administration agreed with me that it should be done legislatively. It was not completed. It didn't get done. But there still is another opportunity to have another bite of the apple with this administration that says we will consider legislation. We will take a look at that. Maybe that requires a shrinkage of the monument as a part of the compromise. Maybe it's just legislatively. I would remind our listeners that Arches National Park started out as a monument, too, of 4,000 acres. 
Bears Ears is 1.35 million acres. That's a lot more ground. And it started out as a monument at 4,000 acres and later by legislation was created into a national park of 77,000 acres. So, again, considerably smaller than this region called the Bears Ears. Uh, that's the way our parks, our largest park, you know, Canyonlands is 337,000 acres. So this is a million more. And we kind of, you know, just rolls off the tongue, a million here, a million there. Mm -hmm. But if you look at our two monuments that are the controversy, uh, Grand Staircase Escalante, 1.9 million acres of where there's most people, the local people think there may be 20,000 acres worth protecting. So that's a little bit of an overreach if we've got 1.9 million. The Bears Ears, where it's 1.35, where the local people think, by actual audit, think there's about 500,000, maybe 550,000 acres that ought to be preserved and protected. So, again, an overreach there a bit. But you combine those two monuments together, and that uh, people think, well, how much is 1.9 and 1.35 million acres? What does that mean? I'll tell you, just to give you a little bit of a, a visual that's the same size as all of Utah County, all of Salt Lake County, all of Davis County, and all of Weber County combined. It's a lot of acreage. That's a lot of ground. That's where 80% plus of our population live. That's the size. That's the magnitude of these two uh, uh, monuments. So you can understand why there's at least some anxiety. Uh, people think maybe this is a little too big, particularly when the Antiquities Act itself says this. That we, when the president makes the uh, the judgment, he should use the smallest acreage possible, the smallest area possible, necessary to to protect the artifacts in question, and this is way more than the smallest area possible, particularly the grand staircase. So again, I think there's going to be discussion. I hope we can find the proverbial win-win here. I think we can. I think the Trump-Pence administration is willing to take a look at this. But all stakeholders should be invited to the table, and let's see if we can't do what the Native Americans want to do. Let's protect the artifacts and, and make sure that we understand uh, the concerns and, con and give consideration to the local people feel like they're being a little bit hard done to.